blood so that we could have the church today. And we're going to look at a lot of things here. Ryan, how many slides did you say there were? 131 slides. And so you think we're going to get through all that tonight? We will see how far we get, but we'll probably will do this for two weeks. And I might go even deeper on this thought a little bit further. But we're going to look at the church tonight. Matthew chapter 16. We'll dive right into our notes, and we will see where we get. Matthew 16, verse number 13, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Really the most important question you will ever answer in your life is exactly what Jesus asked them right there. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. There have been many folks that have gotten a little confused in verse number 18 there. And thou art Peter, and that is who Peter was. Peter was a, the name literally means a pebble, a stone. And upon this rock I will build my church. The church was not built upon Peter. There are some out there that would say that. And you got to understand something, and to help us understand tonight, when an institution or anything that is built on a man, you got to understand, anything that is built on a man is always doomed to fail because we are not perfect and we can try and keep things right for a long time but men will never keep things right that's why there will never be a perfect country a perfect anything that men ever starts it's always because we have sin in us it taints it and messes things up but when it says upon this rock i will build my church upon this rock the rock is jesus christ it is his church and that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to talk about the church for a little bit of time tonight. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have. I pray that you would guide us and help us tonight. And help us to see some important things about the church tonight. The church is pretty important to you. You purchased it with your own blood for us. You allow us the awesome privilege to be able to be part of a church. I pray that you would bless us tonight. Guide us and help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The church, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I love the church. So thankful for the church. Imagine, and I have the privilege, I've grown up in church my entire life. Literally, I was probably two weeks old and I started in the nursery. I don't know what it's like not to go to church. My parents always went to church. We went to church, and I thank God for that. I'm glad that there were, I remember there was one stretch of time where and this is pre-internet and pre-TV, where you can, or whatever, live stream, whatever you want to call it there, pre-all of that. And uh, we were 
we were going to a church, and then something happened at that church to where we couldn't go there anymore. So there was a few weeks where we were trying to figure out where to go. And that was pretty interesting. And we, and we went in that, and my parents, literally looking back on it, so I'm 37 years old now, I've literally been a member of four churches in 37 years. So the first church I was a member of was the church that I grew up in, Faith Baptist Church of Wildemar, and we were there for, I was there from the time of birth through seventh grade, sixth grade. Then my brother-in-law started a church, Landmark Baptist Church of Riverside. We moved to Riverside to help them start the church, and so my parents were members there. And then my brother's health didn't carry on my brother-in-law's health, and so eventually we went back to Faith Baptist. We're back there. In college, I, did, I lied to you, five churches, five churches. So in college, I was a part of the church there back in Hammond, Indiana. And then we moved to Missoula, Montana out of Bible College and worked at a church there. And then we came to this wonderful town of Chino and been here ever since. And, uh, and I, we started a church. That was Faith Baptist Church of Chino, but that only lasted like a month. And so we weren't even members of the church we started because it didn't have any of that stuff. And then we came over here and been a victory ever since, going on 12 years. I met, a, I met a lady yesterday, I did a ride along with an officer here in town yesterday, and a, a tree hit their car. A, a city tree just broke off and hit their car. And so we get called out, and she looked at my sleeve that said I was a chaplain. She's like, you're a, you're a god man out here? Yeah. yeah. She's like, what church are you at? And so we got talking, she's like, I th by the time we're done, she's like, I really think that God had my car get hit by that tree so I could meet you. I'm going to come to church on Sunday. We'll see if it happens. We'll see. I thought that was kind of funny and interesting there. But I love the church. Church is an awesome thing. Now, as we talk about the church and we dive deep into it, no church is a perfect church. First off, number one, because none of us are perfect. And we could start, we'll talk about the pastor first. He's the, in this church, I can't talk about other churches because this is the church I'm part of. I know for a fact the pastor in this church is probably one of the biggest sinners in this room. I have no doubt about that. But I got want you to know something too. The membership and those that visit were all sinners. The church isn't perfect. And sometimes you hear people out in this world that have been hurt by the church, and I hate the fact that people have been hurt by the church. But when people deal with things and people are part of things, there's going to be heartaches and struggles that come. That doesn't minimize them, but it lets us know they are real and they're there, but it's because of where we're at today. So we're going to take some time and we're going to look at several aspects of the church and I'm going to break some things down and help you tonight. Number one, as we dive in, we look at tonight the universal church. Now you say the universal church, pastor, what are you talking about there? There are there is, you got to understand something as we talk about this tonight. I do believe that the Lord works in local bodies today. But overall, you got to understand something. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not Catholic in my doctrine. I do not believe tonight in a, you got to understand, there is going to be a universal church. We are all baptized into that body, the scripture tells us. So you got to understand something. There are some Baptists out there and that think that they're going to be the only ones that get to heaven, or they're going to be the only ones eating at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and other people are going to be watching, and that's not the way it's going to work. Because when you get saved, we're baptized into one body. So you got to understand, if someone has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, it doesn't matter what they are. 
They could be a non-denominational. They could be a Nazarene. They could be a Lutheran. If they've trusted Christ as their Savior, we're baptized into one body. You've got to understand that. So when we talk about the universal church, you've got to understand someday it's the body of believers referring to as the body of Christ, and someday we're going to be called out of this place. A church is a called-out assembly. We're going to be called out of this place to be with the Lord, and there will be no sections of heaven. It's not going to be divided by Baptists and all these different groups because that's not what it's all about. you got to understand, and we'll look at some thoughts on this tonight. As we talk about this tonight, we see letter A, that the church is seen as the body of Christ. As we talk about this and we go a little deeper, some of these things are very routine, very elementary level. When we talk about this and we think about the body of Christ, number one, we've got to understand the fact that Christ is the head of the church. The Bible makes that clear. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, verse number 23, for, as, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Christ is the head of the church. Let's make sure we understand some things here. No pastor is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. That's very important to understand. No pope is the head of a church. That's one of the reasons why as a we are an independent Baptist church. One of the reasons we are an independent Baptist church is because the way we believe that Christ is the head. We don't have a denominational head somewhere that tells us you have to support these missionaries, you have to bring in this person. The day I was voted in as pastor of Victory Baptist Church, the members of Victory Baptist Church voted me in as their pastor. And so we believe in a church membership, and with that church membership, there is voting that takes place, and the church does takes care of this local body. That's the way this church functions. And there are a lot of ways that that's a very good thing because I've seen a lot of churches where there's a lot of issues because of denominational heads. But then in others, there's other safeguards that need to be in place that I'm not going to get into tonight, but there's a lot I could say there. But we see that Christ is the head of the church. That's important to remember and needs to stay fresh in our minds. And number two, the body is made up of those called by God. The body is made up of those that are called by God. By God. And God has called us. And there's so much I could say about that, and I think that that verse right there is not the right verse that's supposed to be there. There's a lot of verses throughout this whole thing, but that one I know is not the one that's supposed to be there. Let me look at something real quick. Sometimes that happens. And sometimes I put wrong verses down so that you'll go back and look. No, I don't do that. I, I, I just lied to you right there. I was teasing you, teasing you sounds better than lying, right? And um, I'm not sure what verse I wanted to put there, but that's not the verse I want there. But we know that we've been called by God. He's called us. He's accepted us. There's so much I could say in that area. But that's what the body is made up of. Number three, we see that Christ baptizes the believer with the Holy Spirit and places them into the body of Christ. This simultaneously happens at salvation. There's not a baptism of the Holy Spirit later on, but the Bible makes that clear. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. The Bible makes that clear right here. And make sure you understand that point that I just made there, because Christ baptized the believer with the Holy Spirit and places us into the body of Christ. 
there are many and I can't talk for other groups out there as a Baptist I can talk there are a lot of Baptists that have this wrong in this area because you got to understand something this is very clear that once a person gets saved they are baptized into one body that is clear that's what the Bible says here doesn't matter if they're Jew or Gentile, bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. This is what the Bible says, and we need to stick with what the Bible says. And then as we talk about this, you got to understand, number four, that each believer has a unique function within the body. you got to understand tonight, you matter. If this is the church that God has placed you in, you have a spot here. And this is the problem that we have in Christianity today. We have a lot of people not fulfilling their spot. And you think about it tonight. If something on your body is not working, you would probably go to the doctor, right? Be like, my arm's not, my arm's not moving. The, bo- the church is compared to a body. This is a local body here tonight. So God has given us in this body, and you've got to understand... One of the hard things for me when I first started pastoring, we're going on 12 years now, one of the hardest things for me at the very beginning was when people would leave. And, I, and, that's, and I'm just being honest. I had a hard time with it. There's a verse that changed all that for me. And the verse basically says that God brings and he puts who should be in the church at that time. And you got to understand, and looking back at it, I can look and see so many different times where when people would move on, and I, if God moves someone on, I'm all for that. If I hurt someone, and that's happened, I try to make it right. But I can't make all those things right. But you got to understand, God will bring people, and God will use them at a church for a time when they're needed, and then they might be needed at another church. And at the end of the day, you want to be in the church God wants you in, and be where God wants you to be. I will go, when we have people visit our church, I will go make a visit right after they visit within the first couple weeks. I always do that. Um, And some people, I surprise them. They're not used to the pastor coming make a visit, and some people, they are used to it. But I don't go trying to convince someone this is the church they need to be in. Because I already know it's the best church around. But I'm teasing when I say that. What I'm trying to say is, I want people to be where God wants them to be. Because it doesn't matter. This could be a great church or there could be another great church, but if you're not where God wants you to be, God has a spot for you and he puts you in a body because this is the thing. Each of us have gifts and talents and abilities that God gives us to use for his honor and for his glory. One of these weeks we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and talk deeper on those things. But you have a unique function. God pla- If God placed you here, you're important and you matter and you bring something to this church that no one else can bring. You might be the nose of the church, but hey, I'm thankful for my nose to smell things, right? It's a good thing. You might be the toenail of the church and just make sure it's clean and it's good to go, you know, whatever the case may be. So as we look at this and dive a little deeper, we see the fact, just some thoughts here about the church, and we see letter A that the church is clearly seen as the body of Christ. Letter B the church is also seen as a family. The church is seen as a family. When we, t- and remember how um, the disciples came to Jesus, and really they kind of asked, so Lord, what are you going to, what are we, since we've given up everything, what do we get? And he's like, you might have left father, mother, but I'm going to give you even more. 
That's the church family that God gives you. And it's seen and it's known. And you've got to understand when we talk about that, letter A or number one, we see that we are all children of God that are saved in this body. You've got to understand that. Not everyone that lives today is a child of God. We're a child of wrath, even as others, Ephesians chapter number two. So you'll hear sometimes people say we are all God's children. That's not a true statement. Once someone is born again, they are adopted into God's family, and they're one of God's children. That's the biblical way that it is done. The Bible tells us in John chapter number 1, verse number 12, But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And then when we think about that, we're all children of God. In this, We're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. Think about that one. You might not like everyone in this room, and you might fight with them like they're your brother or sister, right? But we're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. And what a blessing that is. The Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 7, 15, But if an unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such case, but God hath called us to peace. And we just see the fact of the brother or sister. There's a lot more detail that could go into that verse and that passage right there. But as we think on that, we're all children of God that are a part of this body if you're saved. We're all brothers and sisters. And God is our Father, number three, and Christ is our brother. That's what the Scripture tells us. The Bible makes that clear. It says, for both, in Hebrews 2.11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Isn't that an awesome thing? Jesus isn't ashamed to call you his brethren. Are you ashamed to call him part of your life and you think on that one a little bit he's not ashamed of you what it tells us there think about tonight the body of christ number two roman numeral number two we see the local church as we look through the different epistles in the new testament you see they're written to local bodies same thing in the book of revelation those churches the letters that were sent to them. And we see, we think about local churches today. It's a small group, of, smaller group of believers that come together to worship, fellowship, receive teaching from the Bible, and evangelize in the local area, and evangelize around the world as we support missionaries. It's what we do in the local church. When we talk about the early, ch- when we talk about the local church, we get from the Bible how the church is supposed to function. I've mentioned this on Sunday nights a lot as we go through the book of Acts. And I know tonight there's a lot of information here. And that's one of the things I'm trying not to go to information, information on these Wednesday nights. But it is what it is. you, You tell me, you go around and search and tell me how many churches you can find that take a series and go through Bible doctrine like this. There are not a lot. I'm not saying there are none, but there are not a lot. And so when we talk about the local church, you got to understand, our doctrine, what we believe, comes from Paul's epistles. Some people out there will get their church doctrine from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a history book of the church and how the church got going. So what happens is there's a lot of great stuff in the book of Acts and a lot of great things to apply, but it was a first time happening. So we looked at Sunday morning how Mark, at the end of the book there, it said that many signs and wonders were seen. So tongues had to happen so that they saw this take place. It was a sign for the Jews. So the first time a Gentile got saved, 
you had the apostles go, and we see the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Spirit happen to them. That was not a phenomenon that always happened, but it's the first time it took place. And so it's a little different. So you cannot take your church doctrine from the book of Acts. Paul's epistles is where we get church doctrine from. And so as we look at this and we think a little deeper on this, we see what are the priorities of the church? What are the priorities of the early church? What did Paul tell us should be our priorities? What did the early church in the book of Acts, what were their priorities? What mattered most? And I tell you, most of the things that matter to us today in our church were not what mattered in the Bible and not what should matter overall. So we look at some of the priorities. We start, first of all, with the preaching and teaching. Some of this is a little bit of review if you've been here on, Wednesday, on Sunday nights for the book of Acts. But preaching and teaching. The early church, and we've looked at it there in um, Acts chapter number 2, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They got saved. 3,000 got saved. 3,000 got baptized. And they didn't just send them home and say, all right, now figure out this Christianity stuff for yourself. No, what they did was they continued, they taught them, they preached to them God's word, and they grew, they continued in those things. And so a priority for the early church and a priority for today should be the preaching and teaching of God's word. As we talk about that, we see letter A, that the preaching and teaching of God's word is vital to the growth of all believers. We need the preaching and teaching of God's word. You'll notice I put there, of God's word. We don't need the preaching of men, the thoughts of men. We need God's word. God's word should be center and foremost of all teaching and all preaching that is done. I get leery of those preachers that say, all right, let's look at our Bibles here. Now close your Bible and listen to me for the next 35 minutes. You don't need to hear from me. You don't need to hear from me on Sunday. You don't need to hear from me Sunday night or on a Wednesday night. We all need to hear from this book. That's what we need to hear. And if you'll notice through the years, my preaching has turned way more to Bible than what it used to. And that's an area I've tried to grow and change in myself. There's a lot more Bible than what there used to be. And I don't apologize for that. We need the Bible. The Bible is God's word. It's what gives us life. And it's vital to the growth of all believers. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. It's important. And then letter B, as we talk about the preaching and teaching, God gave the church gifted pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. That's what God did. The Bible tells us Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So as we look right there, and we think on that right there, what, as a pastor, what is my job to do? What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to help you do what God's called you to do. I'm supposed to preach and teach the Word of God to you so that you can mature in your Christian walk, the perfecting of the saints, to help equip you to do the work of the ministry and to help edify and build up the body of Christ. That's what a pastor does. And you see, you could look at this this way, and if you don't want to look at this this way, you don't have to. But he gave. You could say a pastor is really a gift 
to God's people that God gives. Just You can think on that one there, and you don't have to say That's what the Bible says, so that's what I'll leave it there. And so we see, as we look here, we see that God gave pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. And that's one of, the, that's one of my prayers. My prayers and my goal as a pastor is not to have the biggest church around, not to have bodyguards, because I don't need any. I'm strong enough right here to take care of myself. I'm teasing when I say that. My goal is not to build myself a name. My goal is to help you become what God wants you to become. And that's where sometimes I'll look and I'll get, I look at myself and I get a little frustrated with myself. Am I doing all that I can? Am I giving you God's word? Am I helping you to mature as a Christian? Am I helping you do God's work? And am I helping edify the body? That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what the Bible says. And so that's what the Lord has done. We see the priority of preaching and teaching. Number two, we see the priority of fellowship. Of fellowship. It is a good thing to fellowship with God's people. We need to be exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. We're supposed to be provoking one another to good things, to love and unto good works, the Bible says. But we look at this, this is even missing in most of our churches today, and it's sometimes hit and miss here. Fellowshipping together. If you're, you know, some of my favorite things to do during the, I, I love Christmas, I love Thanksgiving. I love when all my family gets together. I like it. I love my parents being there and whatever years I got left having them there. I love ha having it at their house and all of us being together. I've grown to Caroline's family. It's a huge family, 13 kids there. What I am looking, I'm looking forward, okay, let, I gotta be honest, I'm not looking forward to our road trip. That's gonna be a long trip in a car with a lot of people, but it's gonna, we're gonna have a great time with it. But I am looking forward to being with all of the family. We don't get to do that very often. How often do I get to see my co um, our cousins? Or th that would make them our kids' cousins. So nieces and nephews, we don't get to see them very often. We get to see them. We get to see the family together. I'm My mother-in-law, just the smile on her face the whole time everyone's together. It'll be great to have everyone to this together. Is everyone going to get along all the time? No, at my house, my family, when we get, does everyone always? No, that doesn't always happen. But there's a something special about family being together. That's how it should be with God's house. You know, tomorrow there's a senior lunch. You've got to understand, sometimes I don't, I don't get, sometimes we have activities and different things. And like tomorrow, I feel Joey's Barbecue, that's a good choice right there. And I picked it, I picked it. So if you don't like it, I picked it. Russ is like, I don't know what to pick. I'm like, don't worry, Russ, I got you, I got you this time, I got you this time. But, do you know, I don't plan if I'm going to attend an event based on where I go eat. A lot of people do. Oh, they had food I don't think I'd like. Then sit there and drink a glass of water and fellowship with God's people. The fellowship is more important. You know, I don't, we have, we don't do them often, but when we do, I've never liked potlucks. How many of you like potlucks? Good Baptist right here. That's good Baptist. If you want to be a good Baptist, you got to enjoy potlucks. Potlucks are not my thing. But the meals that we have around here, I don't know if you notice, I don't really go around and eat very much. Why don't I do that? If you notice, I go to every table and talk with everybody. 
Because this church is not, the fellowship is not you walk into church and say, hello, and sit down, and that's all you interact. You say, Pastor, why do you start having snacks and food on Wednesday nights? So you had time to fellowship together. That's all it's there for. Not because we need, I look around the room, I look at myself, I don't need more food. None of us really need more food. But why do we do it? People like food. And so, and then Manny's just going crazy with all this. The, man, that I tried that spaghetti. That was good stuff. The, and uh, I didn't have a bunch of it, but I had a little bit. There, that was good. And Manny's getting carried away with these different things that he's making. But, and, and really, I think, I think we found our church chef almost in Manny. Vacation Bible school, all these other things. And so God brings unique people to unique spots. And Manny, I think you found your spot. So you're stuck. You can't go anyplace else. You're stuck with that. But you got to understand, the early church was involved in one another's lives. Today, how, uh, let, let's be honest here. And I know, I do, look tonight, this room's pretty full tonight. Isn't this awesome on a Wednesday night to have the room almost full? It's awesome. They didn't know about the spaghetti then or us, so. But Sunday morning, I don't love having two services. We could not make it work to have everyone in here in one service. So there are a lot of people that come. It's like tonight, we had, uh, you guys came back tonight. The Strangelands, they came back tonight. And that's really their last name. We got Scott and Virginia. I said it wrong. Did I say it wrong? Noir. So, Stangland. Oh, it's strange. I thought, oh, okay. Sorry. That was mainly for, so I, it just looked that way. Maybe it was the way it was written on, I don't know. Did I, did I put that on the, the letter I sent out? Was that on there? Oh, it could have been. But they came in tonight, and Mona, Mona thought they were guests tonight. Well, Mona ushers in the first service, not second service. So she doesn't know that they've been coming because they come at the second service. And you've got to understand, that's why fellow, fellowship's important. And that's why I've encouraged you in the past, get to know the people in your church. Go out to eat with them. You, you know, you might want to go out to eat somewhere first. Don't invite them to your house because then it might be like Katie, and she'll just keep coming back over and over again. You go, you, go out with them, you go out with them somewhere, and then you know if you want them to know your address or not after that. So, But that's what she does. She does the meal to try and just know where you live to see when she's going to come over next time. I know how Katie works, but we tease about all that, but fellowship's important. And fellowship is not about... And, Oh, yeah, we have fellowship. I'm not talking about you gossiping about what's going on in the church or things like that. We're supposed to be building up and encouraging one another. We live in a crazy, messed-up world. We need one another to do the work of God and to encourage one another. That's the way God designed it. No one can just be on their own little island by themselves and succeed. You need others, and it's important. Fellowship was a priority for them. Number three... We think about the breaking of bread. And that just goes right along with the fellowship there. Some would say that that's communion there. But I, I don't tend to think that way. But that doesn't mean that it's not right, okay? Because, you know, they fellowship, they're breaking of bread. And so if you feel that that is communion there, then go right for it. And I'm not going to be offended at you, and you won't be offended at me. And then they made prayer a priority. Prayer mattered. They were devoted to prayer. Man, you think about the early church, and you think about, remember when Peter was put in jail? And I believe, didn't Rhoda go out? Was it Rhoda? I think it was Rhoda. 
and there was a knocking and it was Peter and then she goes in they're still in there just praying away and Peter was let out and I love that story about Peter because literally he didn't want to wake up and the angel had to like smack him and wake him up get up had to wake him up from a deep sleep but they prayed prayer mattered and we look today let's let's be honest today let's take a look at the church churches and church as a whole tonight in our in america around the world is teaching and preaching a priority is the fellowship of god's people a priority and is prayer a priority the early church it was and it should be the same today we need that that's why i mentioned um i mentioned on sunday night and i'll be starting to mention on sunday mornings coming up in the fall in september we're going to start it we're going to have an extra service during the week and it's going to be probably on a tuesday night every week it's a prayer service is all that is we'll come you say how's the prayer service going to work i still don't know i'm figuring it out we're going to come and pray it'll be an hour-long service there will be no singing there will be no preaching it's going to be an hour-long prayer service on tuesday nights say well pastor i just can't make it all you do as the lord leads you to do i will be here for a prayer service on tuesday nights and that's just how it will be there won't be food that'll be wednesday night you get the food wednesday night and so some of the spiritual people will make sure they're here Wednesday night, not Tuesday night. But I'm just kidding with all that. But prayer needs to be more important because it's not. And prayer matters. Prayer should be important. There's so much more I could say there. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, the scripture says, and how needed it is. We see, as we look at the church, we see the priorities of the early church. Next number there, letter B, we see the structure of the early church. The structure of the early church. And so there are, there are lots of people that have lots of different ideas and goals and thoughts when it comes to the structure of how a church should be set up. We are, as I mentioned, we are a Baptist church. And I, I used to say I would, you know, I love being a Baptist. I am a Baptist, but I would much rather make sure I'm in line with what the Bible says than what any Baptist says or any other group anywhere. I would call myself, I am a Baptist, but I'd also call myself a Biblicist on things. Remember someone asked me, I mentioned it before, they asked me when I first started pastoring, are you Arminian or Calvinistic? I'm like, um, and I didn't know. I didn't know the difference between them. You say, you went, to, you went to Bible college and all of that and you didn't know? I didn't know. But I was smart enough not to say that I knew and picked one. I actually went and researched it then. And you know, one of the smartest things, you, if you don't know something, don't say you do know it. It just makes you look foolish at the end of the day. And you might say, well, what are people going to think if you don't know? I went to Bible college, seminary, whatever you want to call it. I probably should have known that already. Because that's like pretty basic there. I should have known that. But I didn't. And so as we talk about the structure of the church and as we dive into these things, I want to give you some thoughts tonight as we look at it. We see that number one, we see that our letter, um, where are we at? Number one, gifted men were given to the church. We see that, and we could go and look at those passages that we looked at. He gave some apostles and some prophets, evangelists, pastors. We looked at that there in Ephesians a little bit ago. But as we look at that and we think on that tonight, we see that God, first of all, gave apostles. Now, apostles, we've mentioned this before, an apostle that was once sent on a mission by Christ. In order to be an apostle, 
you had to be called by Jesus Christ. So as I've mentioned, remember the 12 disciples, right? The 12 apostles. We know what happened with Judas, and Judas wasn't even a believer. The devil was in him. There's so much that could be said there. You look at it, the early church, they picked Matthias to be the next apostle. And the only time Matthias is ever mentioned is when he was picked, when they cast lots for him. He's not mentioned anywhere else. And if we're being honest there, what did Jesus tell them to do? Wait for the Spirit. They didn't wait completely for the Spirit. They did, went ahead. And is it right or wrong? I'll leave that there. I think they should have waited. Paul, one day, Saul, was on the road to Damascus. And on the road there, he met someone named Jesus. And Jesus commissioned him and called him. And I believe the last apostle was Paul. So you got to understand, as we talk about apostles here, there are no more apostles today. An apostle had to be called by Jesus himself. And so there were apostles, and then there were prophets. And a prophet foretells or or foretells the truths of God to God's people. And so you think about the Old Testament. You would have your major and minor prophets. And the major prophets are not more special than the minor prophets. They just uh, are bigger than the minor prophets, what it comes down to. But they would tell, foretell things and events that would come, and God used them for that. And so as we look at a prophet, there's a lot. And you got to understand, when the Lord put it all together, the Bible tells us in um, Ephesians 2, verse number 20, he says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So when we look at the church and we look at where it all started, you got to understand the foundation was laid by the apostles and by the prophets. And Jesus Christ is that chief cornerstone. I know today we don't build houses like they used to. But that cornerstone was so important. If it wasn't just right, That house would not be level. That house would not be what it should be. And Jesus Christ, he is that cornerstone for the church. And so it was built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Where do we get a lot of our scriptures from? What the apostles pinned. What the prophets pinned. It's the foundation of the church. So we see apostles, we see prophets. Next, number three, we see evangelists. Now, we, we have evangelists today. In our Baptist circles, we have a lot of evangelists, too. And an evangelist will go into a church, wreak havoc days, and take off and blaze off to the next place and move on. And a lot of times, especially in our Baptist circles, an evangelist comes in and they just preach and hammer in on our standards and our convictions and what we need to do and move forward, that's not an evangelist. An evangelist is a person particularly gifted in proclaiming the gospel. That's an evangelist. And there are a lot of examples of those through the years. One of the reasons, you know, we look at, and some of you in this church, one of my favorite old school evangelists that's still alive today is Joe Mark. Some of you can't, don't like him. And I know there's people, I, he, his voice and everything else, he proclaims the gospel. That's what an evangelist does. That's, that's why we have him in. There are a lot of evangelists I will never have in our church because that's not what they do. An evangelist is 
gifted in proclaiming the gospel. And there are many people that are very gifted in that area. And uh, we could look, you look at a lot of people through the years, we might not agree with everything that Billy Graham stood for. But I think you talk about an evangelist, I think right there is a great example of one. And you hear so many people that would either go to a crusade or watch it on television, whatever the case may be. And I hear people all the time, well, I got say, and you listen to him give the gospel, it's like, he's gifted it. He was an evangelist. That's literally, I think of Billy Graham when I think of an evangelist. So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then he gave pastors and teachers, slash teachers. A pastor is one who shepherds, cares, and protects God's people. Teaching and preaching is the primary function of the pastor, and the job of the pastor and the teacher, slash teacher, is to faithfully preach the word. What did Paul tell Timothy? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when, they'll not, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And when we look at those things, it says, it says preach the word. Don't preach, your, don't preach your own preferences. Don't preach what you think. Preach the word word. I'll leave that there. And the purpose that God gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors slash teachers is, as we looked at before, for the protecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and the edifying of the body of Christ. What we're going to do is we are going to stop our notes right there. It's about 7.23. And you have, so next Wednesday night, Lord willing, we are going to finish this up. Lord willing, next week. And so save your notes, because this is a lot of paper right here. Save your notes. We'll have a few extras printed next week. But when we talk about the church, there's so much to it. And as I mentioned, this is a lot of information. I get that tonight. And it might even sound like you're kind of in a college class with all this information. But that's why I give you the notes, so you can take them and have them. And then you can look at them more, or you look through, you're like, Pastor, I don't understand that one. Maybe I can help you ex explain it to you, or I can point you to someone that would. But at the end of the day, the church is awesome. It is an amazing thing that God made for us, and he purchased it with his own blood. And next week, we'll continue on and see where we get. Father, I thank you for the time we've had in your word. I thank you for the church. And I thank you for you being our God. I thank you for love. And I thank you for... Just everything.